0: Warning, the following podcast contains mature content such as naughty language and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: When it comes to podcast stuff, I'm usually pretty good at keeping track of things. Um, I usually have my notes ready the night before we're supposed to record. You know, I do the editing and I try to get it to Emmy on time so that she can listen to it before we need to post it Friday afternoon. Um but something that I never seem to remember is which episode I'm supposed to do an intro on. Because every week I have to ask, who's doing the intro this week? And you know what? Emmy could lie to me. She could tell me that it's her intro and do the intro every single week. And I don't think I would know the difference. <laughs> But luckily I actually remembered earlier today that I was doing the intro for this week and decided that I was going to make my intro about how I never fucking remember when I'm supposed to do an intro.
0: Is that a rap? Is that the episode? <laughs>
1: It is the year of our Lord 2021. We are Who's currently Lord? reading Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. My name is Sarah. I never seen a diamond in the flesh. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you cut your teeth on wedding rings in the movies? In the movies. Are you proud of your address? I'm,
0: I'm not proud of <laughs> my address.
1: <laughs> what is your name?
0: I'm I'm Emmy. Oh. I am Lorde.
1: Oh no oh my god um i had something that i was gonna say oh josh listened to the last episode and he really appreciated his shout out so here's your shout out about your shout out hope you enjoy um
0: (laughs) you know if you all keep involving yourselves enough you may eventually make it so that the show is an hour long and it's just us shouting out your shout-outs of the (laughs) shout-outs with shout-outs.
1: Absolutely. If you involve yourselves enough, it's just going to be a show about the people who bother us about the show. At
0: that point, uh, why are they even bothering us?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Dez, who (laughs) donated... (laughs) So last week, I... uh, I revealed that I had gifted Amelia with $20 and 69 cents to hey, go purchase. It wasn't, purchase. A, gift. It wasn't it a gift. It was a loaner for literally a, about a day because she was getting paid the next day. Um, I loaned her $20 and 69 cents to go pick up a copy of midnight sun, but because she could not find it secondhand, it wound up costing 27 99. So Des, Lovely Des donated $7.30 <laughs> to make up the difference. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> thank you so much for that. I'm not
0: it, sure who that money goes to. But
1: <laughs> it, it,
0: <laughs> it's just going to go un- to the podcast.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, it does get direct deposited into my bank account. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I promise you That money is just gonna go towards Keeping the RSS feed alive and well uh, Until
0: we get Until we start getting enough donations For me to reasonably say Moth give me the money <laughs> <laughs> Moth give
1: me some money <laughs> Yeah I've kept all the money so far I haven't sent a single dollar to Emmy But it's okay because I'm the one paying for the RSS feed
0: they're about to go bankrupt.
1: I am, truly. I we have spent <laughs> oh my god. For mics and equipment alone, it's been like three three hundred and fifty dollars. And then Brandon has a student Adobe subscription, so like luckily, and because it's for his major, so luckily I don't have to pay for audition to edit the episodes. <laughs> uh but the rss feed has been several hundred dollars as well because it's i i said 9.99 and i think the coffee still says 9.99 it's actually
0: 12.99 Oof.
1: yeah 12.99 a month
0: for a year that's $120 $129.99
1: no it's not cuz a year is 12 months yeah
0: but like <laughs> we didn't, but we didn't post immediately
1: you're right you're right and it's free for the first episode you don't have to pay for it until you put up your second one so and it can... is 10 months yeah it is yeah <laughs> oh my god did you have fun this week when you were reading no oh no i, did. I actually didn't <laughs> i was excited i got home from work yesterday And I was like, oh, my God, I get to read Midnight Sun today. I think it's because it's not so much that I'm excited to like read it. I'm just excited because and when I was reading the first five chapters, I was not excited. But then we had our our discussion about it and it was really fun and I enjoyed it a lot. And then I was like, oh, I'm excited to continue this because it is so much more enjoyable the second time around.
0: I enjoy the discussion. I I just don't. (laughs) Yeah Particularly enjoy the reading portion Yes I feel the need to uh To stress Because we were very positive Yeah episode <laughs> About the experience That Um it was really more of a shock thing for how some of the improvements were. Yes. It was still garbage.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. It's so like the writing is still not very good, and a lot of the behaviors of the characters are still really weird and, and like outlandish. It's just it's so much better than the first time. Which is not difficult, but it is it is a lot better than the first time, and we're getting a lot of sense made this time around. So it, it it makes it a much better experience and being able to talk about it makes it a lot better as well.
0: It's like when a little kid goes from scribbling with a crayon on a page to making something that halfway resembles a family and a dog and you're like, "Oh, you did so good." Like, yeah. This. It's great. You're an artist.
1: Yeah. I mean, the closest like the best way I can describe it is like while I probably would have given Twilight, two like one star on Goodreads, Midnight Sun might be worth two. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the best. That's the best comparison I can make for if if you are listening to this podcast and you have not read Midnight Sun, which. I don't know why you would be, but, like, I hope you're having fun. But if you are listening to this podcast and you have not read Midnight Sun, that is how I would describe it. It's marginally better than Twilight. It explains a lot of the shit that happened in Twilight, and that's why we enjoy it so much, because we were very confused when we read the first book. Twilight just doesn't make sense. Yeah. It really doesn't make sense. And this also, like makes some parts of it make less sense. I was telling Emmy that I've now listened to the the episode two and a half times, the last episode, because I enjoyed it so much. Um, and one part that I hit on in that episode was that we see Edward making all of these really, like, lovely observations about Bella However, we never saw Bella making any of those observations why about does Edward. She love him? Yeah, so like we're sitting here this whole time, like, well, I understand why Edward loves Bella. It makes a lot of sense now, but it still doesn't make any sense as to why she loves him. We, we'll get to a part later on when she's like, I've decided it doesn't matter what you are. And Edward is like, What do you mean? And I'm sitting there like, I agree. How did you become the
0: sane one?
1: (laughs) What do you mean? So, like, there's a lot of clarifications being made and a lot of stuff that is being explained, but in a lot of ways, it almost makes it make less sense. Because I don't understand why Bella falls in love with Edward other than her just being, like, dangerously curious and then just finding him to be really hot.
0: It's like... The more some like some of the pieces start to get flushed out and no longer confuse you, the more blaring, glaring the other issues yeah.
1: become. Yeah, absolutely. Because it becomes a matter of like, so wait, this is your explanation for this thing, but now all of these other things don't make any sense. One of the things that we meant to bring up last time, and I have a pre-note about it in our notes today, is that Edward says at one point when talking about how old he is that he hasn't changed at all since becoming a vampire. We had speculated throughout the series when we read it the first time that His mental age stays the same as his physical age because we, like, couldn't reconcile the fact that this, like, 100-year-old man wanted to sleep with a 17-year-old girl. And now we know that Edward hasn't aged mentally, emotionally, physically at all since he was first changed. And a lot of his issues stem from that immaturity and him also, like, for some reason not understanding modernity, even though he li- He got to live through and experience all of the modernizations. He says at one point that uh, he only knows how to court people in his time, not in the year 2005. <laughs> so, and I like this clarification. I do like that Stephanie Meyer is basically saying, yes, Edward is exactly the same as he was a hundred years ago, which does make it better that he wants to be with this 17-year-old girl because he also mentally and emotionally is still 17. He but basically avatar. Yes, he basically <laughs> did avatar. But it also brings a lot of other questions to mind. Like, like the how ba-
0: can he change once she does come into his life?
1: Exactly! How is he ever going to mature and, like, be able to have a decent relationship?
0: The implication <sighs> seems that he seems to make is that every vampire that he's met has changed because of a partner once they found a partner yeah that seems to be that that emotional shift seems to be the only thing that allows for them to change greatly over time yeah but it's still like but but why
1: Yeah, it's, it's another, I feel like it's another one of those Mormon things that she has that she, I don't even think she realizes that she injects this much Mormon ideology into it, but like the idea of marriage being like very necessary and sacred. I mean, many Mormons get married at the age of 18, like the day they turn 18 and stuff like that. I keep seeing
0: them. We have these two Mormons over near, uh, where I live. And every time I go to, like, okay, not every time I go to the gas station, but, like, two or three times a week when I go down to the gas station that's, like, three miles down from my house, they're riding around on their bikes. I never see them at anyone's houses, but I see them out and about.
1: (laughs) You know, I spent a lot of the series not wanting to shit-talk Mormonism because one of my really, really close friends was Mormon, but he has now left the Mormon church. So I can say whatever the fuck I want now.
0: we do not stand mormons
1: we do not stand mormons when the anytime we bring up the mormon stuff and then we stop shit talking you can bet that the shit talking starts as soon as the microphones are turned off i
0: have no no love for the mormon no
1: there's a lot wrong with it
0: i have no love for a lot of churches most churches. Yes. But the Mormon church
1: is There's a lot wrong with it. And now I don't want to say that I hate every Mormon person. I just no, have a lot different. of issues with the with the organization itself. Um and I don't want to go too deep into <laughs> into my uh, philosophical issues that I have with the Mormon church and all of its beliefs. But Let's just Uh,
0: say there's more than one large-scale religion in the world that has a history of rampant cover-ups of child sexual abuse.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Not to mention all of the homophobia, racism, polygamy, terrifying secret rituals. Not that rituals can't be metal as fuck, but like...
0: Destroying Angel Man.
1: I totally forgot about that
0: It's the fact that it's called a destroying angel Yes Like Joseph Smith was sitting there and he was like What's a really cool term for a badass angel That just (laughs) wreck shit destroying angel
1: i i will never forget when we were like raging about it when we first read it and then the day that i was like ingesting a podcast on the mormon church and i heard that phrase and i texted emmy immediately to be like destroying angel is a mormon thing she wasn't just being afraid what the fuck oh my god Mm. but yeah uh (laughs) do you want to talk about About the the chapter Chapters
0: Uh, We're gonna do a bonus episode where we just Rail on organized
1: religions
0: (laughs) That would be
1: a long Episode I don't know if we'd ever be able To shut up
0: Uh, I guess we just have a second series now (laughs) (laughs) Alright so So chapter six Chapter six we start with the notorious Lunch and blood scene Uh, Ed sits at a table by himself to wait for bella which gets him a lot of commentary uh mentally from his family they are emmett pities him and thinks he's insane rosalie fucking hates him because she's rosalie jasper's jasper yeah (laughs) and alice is just like can i talk to her now can i i want to be her friend let me be your friend, Ed. Something uh, I
1: don't understand about his family's reactions, just real quick, is um, other than Alice and Jasper, so like Rosalie and Emmett and Carlisle and Esme, which Carlisle and Esme are nice, but I so I guess it's really just Rosalie and Emmett that I don't understand this reaction to him being in love with a human when like all of them were human and had to be turned into vampires at some point. And, like, Rosalie fell in love with Emmett while he was unconscious after being mauled by a bear and had to have him turned into a vampire so she could be with him. And then Esme was turned into a vampire to be with Carlisle. So why are they having these, like, violent reactions as though it's not a totally normal thing to, like, turn a human into a vampire to be with them?
0: PP can't go in (laughs) Vagoo.
1: PP can't go in Vagoo! Thank you for that explanation, Amelia. Please continue.
0: So, uh, Bella doesn't notice him. So Jessica has to point him out. And that marks the one time in this book where Ed likes Jessica.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh, thank God for Jessica being a nosy bitch.
0: Um, Jessica points out that he's staring at her. And so then Ed does his cringy finger, finger waggle wink it's thing, described it's,
1: differently in it, this book
0: it is because he's just an idiot yeah and that's the glorious part is we're realizing from his perspective all these things he did that we thought were him trying to be suave yeah are just he's a fucking idiot he's just he a moron no he's idea just doesn't know what, what he's to do doing. um <laughs> in so the, you, oh nope oh
1: okay in the original oh. twilight book it was definitely described as him he raises one hand and just like crooks his finger as though to like indicate that she needs to come over to him and the way he describes it is he just raises his hand and he's like I'm here.
0: i think it's definitely a matter of perspective yes absolutely <clears throat> he's like what am i doing yeah and to her, she's like oh put that finger in me <laughs> continue,
1: <laughs> continue please
0: uh, so lunch goes as expected, um, but it just involves a lot of self-awareness on Ed's part regarding the things Bella says, especially about him being a complete fucking hypocrite.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. It doesn't
0: really make it better, but it's... He knows?
1: He starts having these thoughts, um, or th- this is where it begins, and then he continues to have them over the course of this section. Where he tells her to leave and then begs her to stay, um, which I actually really like. I think that it, it shows a wonderful level of uh, inner conflict with him. So I, I, I actually have a quote that I want to read. I like I like saved a thing from the book. I came prepared. Um, so this is at the end of lunch when Bella has gotten up to say that she's going to go to class. Uh, she says, well, I'm going, she said. This didn't surprise me. She was responsible. She always did the right thing. She was my opposite. I'll see you later then, I said, trying for casual again, staring down at the whirling lid. Please save yourself. Please never leave me. And I don't know why that part specifically just like hit me right in my feels because him just like desperate for her to leave. But then he also like so badly wants her to be with him forever.
0: It's that quote itself is really well written and would be a great line
1: in a different book
0: in a different book with other characters <laughs> though i i will say that if with our current characterization of ed in this book if it was just a better book surrounding him i'd be cool with his character
1: absolutely um i think she definitely got caught in the weeds with this book because with Midnight Sun, it wasn't like Life and Death, where she could basically fix all of the shit that was wrong with the original Twilight story. With Midnight Sun, she had to follow that story exactly as it was.
0: I disagree. And let me tell you why. She okay. had an easy out here. I think she could have changed. She couldn't have changed big overarching things, but she could have changed details within like conversations and things like that. Mm-hmm specifically because this is told from Ed's perspective. If she went with the logic that the last one was told from Bella's perspective and the memories were faulty because they were human memories, but Ed's were the correct version of the events because he has a perfect memory.
1: That's a good point. Because he's a
0: vampire, she could have justified making some necessary detail changes.
1: She, Bella does, like, I remember, that is a really good point, because in Breaking Dawn, you can see already that Bella doesn't really remember much about being human. Like, she taught, she taught, like, all of her most important memories that she shares with Edward at the end take place after they got married and after she turned into a vampire, because those are the ones that are most clear in her mind. Now, that is contextual as far as if the story that Bella is telling like from the beginning of Twilight she is telling it after she became a vampire
0: but since she never gives us a specific time period at which Bella is telling the story and it's all told in past tense she could justify just making the improvements necessary for Midnight Sun and saying Ed's memory's better
1: yeah. No, I, I agree with you. um, But yeah, that, that part just really got me. And, like, every time he has one of those thoughts where he's like, please run away, but please stay with me. It's just like, it the- shows...
0: The depth of having that spinning lid which could land on either <laughs> side as he's thinking so, that.
1: Bella has a lemonade that she's drinking at lunch and Edward takes the cap off the table as like oh a means God. of like fidgeting with something and then he holds on to it forever. forever. He keeps it forever. forever. <laughs> I don't mind what? it. I think it's like a cute little thing because he he is like this entire time he is thinking about how he needs to leave her. So every single interaction they have he's like I want her to love me but also I need to be able to leave her. And so like he takes it cuz he's like this is like just a had memento. Crazy. Eyes. I did. I know. Ooh. Oh god, uh, crazy girlfriend. <laughs> um but yeah, so I I think it's just like it's a nice little he's like oh this is the one thing I'm I'm going to have to hold on to her when I leave her. <laughs> <England>. I mean <laughs> Well, would you rather he steal something from her home?
0: No, but like at least that would actually—it's just so fucking weird to me that it's a lemonade lid.
1: I guess, yeah. It's just he picked it up and then she left, and so he had it in his hand, and he kept—he put it in his pocket. This
0: is a piece of her. That was a lid from a lemonade I had at lunch one day. It's a piece of
1: you. <laughs> No, I feel like I would I would find that to be endearing.
0: If it was like a fingernail clipping, maybe. Ew! Right? What
1: the fuck is wrong with you? So a lemonade lid is stupid, but a fingernail clipping is totally normal.
0: Why didn't he just take a vial of her blood?
1: Oh my god. Oh, <gasps> That reminds me of something that I thought of while I was in the car this morning. At the end of Twilight, when Edward has to drink Bella's blood to get the venom out of her, yeah. why don't his eyes turn red? That's a good question. <laughs> I was just thinking about that because I was something that pisses me off about this whole Venom thing. And I'm sure I'll rant about it at the end of this book as well. But something that pisses How me off. much
0: have we ranted about Venom already? <laughs>
1: so much. But something that pisses me off about this stupid Venom thing where he has to suck the blood out of her. He has to suck the Venom out of her. You're telling me that if a vampire bites you and doesn't drink your blood, you'll become a vampire. But if a vampire bites you and drinks some of your blood, you will not become a vampire because they sucked the venom out of you? So why did Carlisle become a vampire? We know that that vampire didn't just bite him. We know it was trying to kill him.
0: See, the mistake here was that Stephanie Meyer had another easy out. She could have just had it that the only thing that turns you into a vampire is getting vampire venom injected to you from the penis.
1: Oh my god. We would only have gay, male, and straight, or (laughs) straight, or bisexual female vampires,
0: or pansexual.
1: Or pansexual.
0: There are there are no lesbian vampires. Wait a minute. And no straight male vampires.
1: But there can't there has to be straight male vampires. Otherwise there's no venom to give to the women. I guess you could have bisexual. <laughs> like it could just be bisexual male vampires.
0: That matches with vampires. <laughs> <laughs> They'll fuck anything.
1: But yeah, so I was th- I was pissed off about it and then it got me thinking. Okay, so but when Edward so like if you drink some of the human's blood, they don't become a vampire because you suck the venom out when you suck their blood out. But then also we know that if Ed- that if you drink human blood, your eyes turn red. So why do Edward's eyes not turn red after he drinks a bunch of Bella's blood at the end of Twilight?
0: It's all a ruse. <laughs>
1: Please continue. I'm sorry.
0: You know what we're really lacking in this book so far? What? Charlie. And his mustache. (laughs) Wanting to rub it against Carlisle's fake mustache. We're really missing that in this book.
1: What happens next?
0: So, uh... Ed is sitting in the car, and he hears Mike flipping his mental shit over Bella because she passed out in biology. And so he races over to help. Um... And Mike, being the piece of shit that we now know him to be, uh, cares only about the fact that Ed is interrupting, and nothing about what is happening with Bella anymore. Yeah, uh, we do not stand Mike. So Ed dazzles the nurse when he takes Bella in to get uh, to make her be let wait. Words. Dazzles nurse, nurse go go class, and he's like, No, I stay. And she's like, Okay. And then Ed's like, Bella sick, no gym. And they're like, Okay, take home. It's not how any of this works. <laughs> but it it is if you're Ed. <laughs> um so, it's, it's the getting to the car scene now. Uh, and we, we have our return dosage of manhandling. Uh, it is not any better than the first time, actually. Despite everything else in this book somehow making things better. Uh, this one is not. This one is actually worse than it was the first time. Because we, being in Ed's head, he gets upset. That she's trying to take herself away from him During what little time he has with her And that's why he like Grabs her and is rough with her And I'm like no This is not better
1: He does say That he is confused by her getting upset Because And he says this a few times in this section That he's trying to tease her Like he's just trying to Play around with her Like you know it's the classic pulling the pigtails on the playground type of thing. Like he's trying to rib on her and stuff like that. And he thinks in this scene that he's just, that they're just playing around and that he's just like messing with her, but then she gets upset. And that's when he like, let's go, and gets in the car, and he just sits there and waits, hoping that she'll get in. And then he, like, w- when he makes the comment, I could drag you back, he is also joking. But that doesn't communicate right to Bella, and in a way, it kind of scares her, because she knows that he could drag her back. But he's also, like, like in his head, when he's like, I could drag you back, and he sees that she takes him seriously, he's like, Fuck! <laughs> Because he was trying to mess with her. He wasn't, he's like, the only credit I'll give him is that he's not trying to be mean. He is trying to just fuck around, but it's not coming across the right way. And that's when he starts making the statement that he doesn't know how to court people in this day and age. He only knows how to do it back in his day. But he also makes the comment that what he's doing is what he has seen work on other human girls, but it doesn't work on Bella. Not that it's okay what he did. It makes it only a little bit better because he's like, I didn't realize that this was going to upset her. I thought that we were just fucking around.
0: Except for the first part. Yeah. Which is when he was like, I'm angry that she's trying to take herself away. And that part was just like, bad. He realizes that it's bad, but I'm just like, Ed. Yeah. You can't go grabbing women just because they don't want to be around you. Mm Mm-hmm is an acceptable behavior continue most of the time (laughs) um we do get insight into everyone's relationships all of the vampires uh mostly esme and carlisle and we find out that esme actually had met carlisle when she was a kid and fallen for him and been like obsessed with him her entire life until she threw herself off the cliff And he found her and changed her. And so when he changed her, she was already in love with him and wanted to be with him. And he was just like, uh, what? And then had to learn how to deal with being a source of romantic attraction for another person.
1: Yeah. Um, I was at first a little skeeved up by this, but like, no, I mean, she met him when she was a kid. He didn't know that she was the child that he had met before.
0: No, I actually, I had the same like mental connection where it was like, it's like Jacob and uh, Renesmee.
1: Except it's not because. it's
0: not because there was nothing on Carlisle's part.
1: Yeah. She met him when she was a child and saw him as being like an angel, like a guardian, a saving grace or whatever. And then the rest of her life was terrible. So then when she jumped off the cliff and he saved her, she came out of it. And like after all of her pain and suffering, the first thing she saw was his face. And so she was just kind of like, he's finally come to save me from all of the pain of my life. And it, Edward said that Carlisle was confused, but also like it was one of those, like she was a wonderful and lovely person. So he was just like, okay, like, <laughs> I guess we can try this. And, you know, and they've been in love ever since. And honestly, I thought it was a pretty sweet story. It, yeah. it, it had a hint of weirdness because Stephanie Meyer simply cannot resist having children and adults be somehow romantically imposed. But Carlisle had no idea who she was when he saved her. He didn't know that, she, that he had ever met her before. You know, he meets thousands of people every single day like serving in a hospital and stuff like that it was just that esme had known of him when she was a child and do
0: you think he was wearing the fake mustache when he saved her
1: no i think that that's a charlie specific thing
0: only charlie okay
1: yeah charlie probably puts gave it, to it on him.
0: in the bedroom with her maybe <laughs> um,
1: um rosalie and Emmett. Unsurprising. They were like, oh, they were in love at first sight.
0: Yeah, it's an entirely physical thing for them. Yeah.
1: And then Alice and Jasper was also kind of love at first sight because Alice had known about Jasper for a really long time. And like you said in the last episode, it's almost like when Alice has a vision, she has already physically experienced everything that happens in that vision. So he said that Alice spent 27 years waiting for Jasper to show up in her life. So she was already like madly in love with him for 27 years before he arrived. And then he because of his power of like empathy, he just felt how much she loved him and it was like instantaneous. And man, I'm so tired of love at first sight or just like love with zero explanation. We'll get to why do
0: you. Why do you love
1: We'll get to a part later where I deduce that Rosalie doesn't actually love Emmett at all. Nope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely doesn't. Yeah. She just wants that dick. Mm -hmm. She just wants that himbo dick. Yep. Um,
1: Continue, please. I'm sorry I interrupted you.
0: Ed and Bella talk about her life. uh, And I think there's more detail here than in the
1: original version. I think so, too.
0: I... I need to start keeping the original version with me while I'm reading to, like, cross-reference. Yeah. I swear some parts of this have extended conversation. She doesn't change uh, what has been said already, but the conversation is extended.
1: I think so, too. Um, mm. And I think a lot of that has to do with what we talked about previously about Bella just not being interested in her own life. So anytime she's talking about her own life, uh, she just, like, doesn't really record what she's saying. And the next chapter after this section, chapter 11, is interrogations, which is the part where he just asks her a fuck ton of questions, and I'm so curious to see if we actually get to read all of these details about her life.
0: Please stop inhaling her scent, Ed. (laughs) It's so fucking weird to read. The It's it's not that it's weird to do. Yes. I understand having somebody you're attracted to and liking their smell. But it's
1: like... I think he's also trying to immunize himself to it as well.
0: But it's like I read a book, um one of the after I read the two books that made me cry, yeah. I read another one. Oh fuck, what was it called? I'm like looking for it on my shelf because I'm like what was the name of it each of us a desert and they had the author had this really it's the best way to describe it is it's like if you mixed uh, normal like fiction like kind of philosophical fiction with a bit of fantasy okay So it's a strange genre, but there was like a sense of realism that the author was going for. And because of this, every single time the character went to the bathroom... She specifically was like, and I went to relieve myself in the bushes. So there's like 20 times in the book where you just read about her going to relieve herself. And I'm like, bruh, I don't need to read about you pissing every time you go to take a piss. Yeah, maybe the first
1: time you, you tell us that occasionally you have to piss in the bush... And then I just assume that you're regularly using the bathroom. I know it's like that's from that I'm on.
0: thinking as a reader, I don't need to hear about you going to use the bathroom. There are every very time
1: rare instances where I have felt a scene in which a character must use the restroom has ever enhanced a movie. Um,
0: Tyrion uh, shooting his father <laughs>
1: that was good that was good i there was a the my specific example that i was thinking of was the pact it's a horror movie and there's a part where she wakes up in the middle of the night after like a really horrifying dream not realizing that things are paranormal quite yet and she's like all panicked and stuff and it's really intense and then she gets up and she just goes and she pees in the bathroom and there's this long moment of silence and then uh and then shit kind of hits the fan after that but i was like literally I act-
0: she just shits, all, <laughs> yeah, over she just the shits all over
1: the fan no no but i actually did really like that because it felt like a like a stilling moment before things got really bad now
0: <laughs> not in this book was, that- <laughs> the book itself was good but that part was just really so much pissing weird. and that's how i feel about him sniffing her scent constantly is it's just like we
1: assume that you're smelling her edward you don't need to tell us
0: happening and it's fine when he's like when they're like in a scene together and he's like and i take a breath to try and get used to it and feel the burn but when he's just like keys
1: (sighs) oh yeah i forgot that he actually sniffs her keys when he picks them out of her pocket Which also, she already knows that he's going to ask Alice to return her truck to her house. Why does he not ask for her car keys? Why does he pick them out of her pocket?
0: 2005. I don't know.
1: I just don't understand.
0: Chapter 7.
1: Chapter 7. While Edward waits in his car for school to end, he enjoys Bella's scent and ruminates on whether or not she's physically attracted to him. Because this is a thought that has never occurred to him before. Uh, He begins to have a spicy daydream about Bella, which is probably the most sexually explicit content that we've gotten in... Actually, no. Breaking Dawn was pretty disgusting when they were on the floor of the cabin. uh but he begins to have a spicy daydream about bella but stops himself because he knows he would likely kill her if he tried to have sex with her uh the fam all go back to the cullen house and separate to do their own little hobby things such as jasper and Emmett playing epic chess with eight chess boards and alice working on some fashion designs for rosalie it's hilarious to me that Jasper and Emmett, characteristically the fucking dumbest members of the Cullen clan, are
0: playing eight board chess. Are
1: playing eight board chess.
0: 5D but chess.
1: They're the only ones, like, they, none of them want to play with Edward or Alice because it's just unfair. Which I understand.
0: I felt bad for Ed when he said that because I thought about it. I was like, goddamn, what game can you play? <laughs>
1: Nothing, because he can read Nothing their minds.
0: Th- the only thing he can play are games of complete chance. Yeah. Alice can't play those.
1: <laughs> and he even says at one point that he cannot turn off the mind reading. He can tune in on just, like, one voice at a time. Or like we said last episode, maybe he'd be able to tune in on the mind who, on uh the sound of a mind that is just the wind <laughs> howling in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> But he can't just turn it off. So, like, if he was going to play a game with someone, if he didn't have a spectator, then he wouldn't, you know, be able to not read the mind of the person he's playing against. Sucks to suck, bro. Yeah. Uh, Edward goes to his piano to work on the new song he's been thinking about, which is obviously Bella's song, um, which Esme loves. And Rosalie bitterly hates she gets fucking pissed when he starts playing the piano
0: that's because rosalie's just a hateful bitch
1: (laughs) she is while playing uh wait uh edward finds this funny but when rosalie gets pissed and leaves he keeps playing with esme behind him and alice singing along and edward deduces that rosalie is jealous because edward likes bella but edward does not like rosalie Uh, Esme comes up behind him And Alice sings along Um, When Alice announces Peter and Charlotte are coming to visit Edward decides he and Emmett need to leave early So he can be there to look out for Bella when they arrive I hate Rosalie I hate Rosalie so much She's so irredeemable We're gonna get to a part
0: Like, just coming up, this next
1: scene is, it makes it absolutely, I I can't believe I ever liked this bitch.
0: There's nothing of value in her character.
1: Mm -mm. Especially after this next scene. Like, she's already been a miserable bitch this entire book, but this next scene fully cements for me that she is completely irredeemable.
0: The fact that she doesn't die in this series is honestly disappointing now.
1: A little bit, yeah. That she doesn't, like... I don't know. Maybe if she had sacrificed herself at some point, I would feel a little bit better about her. But, like, God damn. You think that she is given some depth towards the end of Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. But then you realize that, no, it was always selfishness. It was always her just only caring about herself.
0: Always been a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. Edward and Emmett go hunting, and Emmett is needlessly cruel to a bear. It's <laughs> Kind of funny, though. <laughs> they joke around for a minute before Edward gets defensive about something Emmett says about Bella, and Emmett tries to get Edward to open up to him. Edward admits he's constantly worried about something horrible happening to Bella. Emmett suggests turning t- her into a vampire, because even Emmett knows that this is just the most logical course of action. Um, but Edward rejects that idea. Uh, he then says that he, his reasoning is because not everybody is happy being a vampire. And he says that Rosalie would do anything to be human again, even give up Emmett. And Emmett knows this.
0: And Emmett's okay with this.
1: That's not love. She does not love Emmett. I wouldn't give up. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know I make a lot of stupid jokes. About my relationship with Brandon. I've said that he gaslights me. Wait, they're
0: jokes?
1: (laughs) I've said he gaslights me. I've made jokes about him being annoying or being whiny or whatever. I am so deeply in love with Brandon. And he is so deeply in love with me. I would not trade anything in the world for him. Because that's what it means to truly love your partner.
0: But how does it feel to know that he would trade you for a mint condition Alpha Black Lotus?
1: (laughs) I like to think that he would not trade me for a mint condition Alpha Black Lotus, which for those of you who are unindoctrinated... That is a very expensive magic card.
0: The expensive magic card. The it is the
1: expensive magic card.
0: Literally tens of thousands of dollars.
1: Yes. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't trade anything in the world for him. Nothing, not my own life, not any of my friends. Full offense. Uh I I cannot it, like I was reading that and I was like I feel So bad for Emmett. Like, I... I don't... I can't believe that he just accepts that that's how she feels. That she would rather go back to being human if she could than stay a vampire with him.
0: And yet she changed him anyways.
1: And yet she fucking changed him anyways. Like a selfish... Bitch. She's so selfish. She turned him into a vampire and cursed him to an eternal life, but she would happily trade him away to go back to being human.
0: She's a fucking oyster. What? Shellfish.
1: Oh my god. I just like that. That made me angrier than almost anything that has happened in these books. The only thing that it, that made me angrier was the sexual assault.
0: I really want Rosalie to die. Yes. There's there's nothing good she brings to anybody in her life.
1: And I and I'm almost positive she's going to commit some fucking Anus noble crime. No, she's probably going to do something noble towards the end of the book to like try to make it better. But it doesn't matter. I know who you truly are, and no amount of noble deeds will make up for the truly black heart (laughs) that is inside of you. So anyway, that's my rant about Rosalie. So Edward goes back to Bella's place to check on her early in the morning on Monday. He watches her sleep and makes observations about her physical state. She looks more tired than usual, and her hands are scraped up from falling. When the sun rises, he leaves and discovers the path that Bella walked into the woods as she thought about the possibility of him being a monster. You remember that part from the first book. Yep.
0: Okay, so... Uh, the first time him sneaking into her room was really funny just because of how absolutely batshit insane it was. It gets progressively less funny and progressively more wow, this is really creepy.
1: Yeah. The
0: more times it happens.
1: I feel, I I still feel a bit better about it, knowing that he, first of all, for some reason, I always had the impression that he's been going into her room and staring at her, like, for a long time. But leading up to her revelation about him being a vampire and thus, like, the spurring of their relationship, it's only a few days. He only does it a couple times and not that it's okay. Don't get me wrong. It's not okay, but he does. It's not like he does it. He's been doing it every night for months the way that it's implied in the first book.
0: He does try to justify himself because he's like, at least I'm not like Mike. Mike would be watching her looking for the moments when she's like, got her titties out going. Yeah. Flip, flop. Flip, flop. I just want to make sure she doesn't die.
1: Yeah. The the only reason that I'm not, like, super pissed off about it constantly is that he's not there to, like, be a creep. He's there because he's constantly afraid that she's gonna die. Still
0: fucking creepy. It
1: though. is still creepy. But it's it's creepy in a less purely selfish and terrifying way. It,
0: the the only thing that makes it acceptable is the fact that this is fantasy and he's not a human. Yeah. These would not be acceptable actions by any normal person.
1: No. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not trying to say I approve of what he's doing. It's just like... It's... A, it's For me, I just don't want... I don't want... I don't like to reduce things to like their base form too much. I want to be able to look at it from... The angle of someone who might not hate what he's doing. Okay.
0: Can we reduce it to its fortress form at least?
1: Oh my god! Why do you do this to me?
0: Wordplay is my game.
1: <laughs> Chapter eight, please.
0: Mike creepy scene. Mm. Uh, it's the scene where Mike like brushes Bella's hair behind her ear and shit. Ed's off in the forest watching. Breaks a tree out of the ground Yeah Um, he
1: literally snaps a tree In half because Mike is being A creep
0: and Ed's desire to beat the shit out of Mike is getting progressively less, less entertaining to read mm-hmm. because it's just so frequent. Like every time Mike's on screen, it's just like, I want to beat the fuck out of him. I just want to take his, I just want to reach into his throat, grab his intestines, rip him out through <laughs> and I'm just like, Ed, what the fuck, bro?
1: Calm down. Yeah, we, it, I get it. It's another one of those things where it's like, we get it. You said it the first time. You don't need to reiterate it every time you get mad. You snapped a tree in half. We know that you're angry at Mike. Like
0: You can show. Just show. You can just show at this point. We understand. Yes. Um. So things go just as they did in the book. Uh, but we do get to see, as they did in the book, as they did in the first book. Yeah. Um, but we do get to see Mike comparing Jessica and Belly and,
1: <laughs> Bellies. and Bella's
0: and Bella's titties in his mind.
1: Oh my he's, god! He's like,
0: because Bella's like, you gotta go for Jessica, homie. She loves you, bro. And he's just like, Bella's prettier, but like Jessica does have some much bigger mama milkers. And yeah, like, I'm pretty into that. And this has to be the most insightful writing that Stephanie Meyer has ever done. Completely believable. I have no trouble at all believing that this teenage boy is trying to flirt with a girl that he likes, and is told, "Bro, another girl likes you," and he's like, mm, "Does have bigger titties, though." Mm-hmm. Um. So then, Ed stalks Bella back to her home after school, uh, where she's reading Austin in the backyard, and completely misses the name connections between himself and the austin characters and i want to chalk this up to the fact that we just already know so it's easier but i don't know how you would read the names of characters that are the same or variations of your name and not be like huh that's a thing (laughs)
1: It, it's also, I think, worth noting that at this point, he still doesn't realize that Bella, like, really likes him. Like, she, he he hasn't, hasn't cemented in his mind yet that she's, like, in love with him the same way that he's in love with her. He still is just like, I'm obsessed with her and I need to keep her safe. And she'll always hate me and stuff like that. So, like, for her to just, like, randomly hate a book, he's just like, I don't understand. What's going on? He's also dumb.
0: But he's the smartest Cullen.
1: I wouldn't say he's the smartest Cullen. They tell him he is. I know. (laughs) Carlisle says that he is, which is hilarious, because Carlisle definitely is the smartest of them. But, you know. (laughs)
0: Um, Bella seems to notice him when she wakes up from her nap, because she's, like, staring off towards him in the woods, which is... Weird, mainly because we we have no understanding of why that's the case.
1: Yeah, I don't, I think I remember her saying something about thinking someone might be in the woods.
0: But, like, why?
1: I don't know. He's I just sitting there like, silently.
0: Yeah, there's no reason she should suspect that. I don't, anyways. <laughs> um, Ed goes home for a bit to see the visitor's Peter and Charlotte and just to kind of be in the home. Um and they literally think that he is going crazy. Peter thinks that drinking animal blood has made him lose his mind and that's why he's acting so weird.
1: Um. Again, is he re- I mean, he is doing things that are weird, but is he really acting that strange when they all know what the situation is? Like is it is it that fucking bizarre to them? They're all in like long term loving relationships, and he's over here like, yeah, I'm in love with this girl, and they're like, man, this guy's losing his fucking mind.
0: It's like, Did what do you and mean? Charlotte even know though?
1: I don't know. I don't know so if that they told might be him why
0: they think that he's acting weird. They don't realize that. but I'm just like,
1: I would assume why that they everyone... would tell that they would tell Peter and Charlotte. Like I like just like. I mean, Jasper's oldest friends. So, like, I, I would assume that it would just come up in conversation that Jasper would be like, yeah, he's in love with this fucking human. And it's making all of our lives fucking miserable.
0: It's just crazy to me how often people jump to the weirdest conclusions of possible in this book. Also, we do find out that uh, the woman that uh, turned Jasper and Peter <clears throat> apparently... Maria. Maria was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, found, hunted Jasper down at one point while he was with the Cullens and they had to leave. And he had to tell her to never try to find him again because of the damage it caused when she found yeah.
1: him.
0: Yeah. We don't know what that damage yeah, is. Yeah,
1: no context as to what happened, but all we know is he said, never come find me again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Holy fay. Um. So Ed just dismally Plays his piano by himself In the other room until Peter and Charlotte Leave at which point He goes and decides to Stalk the girls into Port Angeles Yes, yes.
1: So chapter 9 Edward drives down to Port Angeles But has to wait around a while because the sun Is still out he finds the girl shopping for dresses and watches Bella through Jessica's eyes, but gets quickly annoyed with Jessica being a huge bitch and decides to leave them be. He tries to switch over to Angela's mind, but she's, like, actively changing. And he's like, oh, oh, nope, nope, nope. Don't want to look. Don't want to look at her. Uh, uh. When he checks back in on Jess's thoughts, he finds that Bella has wandered off on her own and he begins to panic because he was saying that she attracts danger, Everywhere she goes. And he's fucking right.
0: What if he, like, stayed in Angela's mind and, like, she's changing and then he's like, oh, she's not naked. Oh, no, she's just imagining Bella in there with her. Oh, God, what are you doing (laughs) with Bella? Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) I didn't expect this from Mike, not from you, Angela.
1: Oh, no. Uh... He wanders around and finally finds her in the thoughts of a man whom he quickly deduces is a violent predator. Like, he realizes that he is a serial rapist and murderer. Um. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm going to give a big fat trigger warning going into this next part for sexual assault and violence. um, Because it's bad. Uh, he speeds off in her direction, struggling to figure out exactly where she is for a few minutes. He finally discovers where they are and makes it to them just in time to stop anything bad from happening. When he reaches Bella and she jumps in the car, her trusting expression stops him from committing murder. He really, really wants to kill the guy who almost assaulted Bella, but he doesn't want to scare her. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, so he drives away. She, of course, asks him if he's okay, and he says no and thinks back on the times he's killed men like the one who almost hurt her. He then checks on Bella to ensure she's all right and asks her to distract him, which she does. He decides that he cannot be a killer anymore because he wants to be good enough for Bella and she shouldn't be with a killer.
0: Bullshit. You have a moral imperative when you know that somebody like that exists and is there and has harmed people and is going to harm other people Mm -hmm. to stop them.
1: Which he does does. still undertake that obligation later because he knows. He knows that in his mind. He just knows he doesn't want to go and commit a violent murder because he doesn't want to solve problems that way anymore. And we had, this Which- whole, we had this whole discussion when we were reading the first book and he was talking about how he used to kill people like this guy who were heinous criminals and stuff like that. And while I am generally of the opinion that the world is better off without people like that in it, I, I'm also a pretty staunch pacifist and I don't agree with the death penalty. So like I have to level with myself here and be like, he's right. There is a, there is an even-handed way to deal with situations like this. It doesn't have to be you ripping their spine out. You Candy. can, I mean, maybe <laughs> you if Look. if you have a way to deal with these things non-violently, then I do think that that is, moralistically speaking, the better way of approaching those situations.
0: The specific reason I support him violently murdering these people is because within the justice system, there is never certainty. Yeah. But within Ed's mind, there is nothing but complete certainty about what they've done, what they think, and what they're going to do. I
1: agree with you. I'm... (sighs) If he encountered a situation like this... Where we find that he he later goes to Carlisle. Yeah. To have Carlisle pick the guy up and take him in and turn him into the authorities. If he were to run into a situation like that where it couldn't just be dealt with as easily as just handing him over to Carlisle and having Carlisle deal with it in yeah. a in a purely just manner, then I think I would agree with him taking matters into his own hands. You know, if say he finds out sometime down the road that the guy was found not guilty and was let off with, with nothing, then I would agree with him deciding to take things into his own hands. I just don't necessarily personally, this is a book, right? So it's like, we can be okay with anyone dying at any point because it's a book. I think in real life, if I were to face that kind of decision, I would probably try to handle it as non-violently as possible. Okay,
0: so here's the problem is you're, you're bringing in the future. We don't know the future. Yeah. When we're reading this. We don't know that he's gone to Carlisle yet. Yeah. I'm just talking about my thoughts when I'm reading this part.
1: I agree with you on that. The only thing I'll give him is that he doesn't want to freak Bella out because if yes. he like in the middle of that alleyway got out and slaughtered all those people, I don't think she would have a very high opinion of him after that. She might. I
0: do agree with that as well. Yes. I do think that it's completely reasonable to not be like, I'm not going to murder all these people. Yeah.
1: But we see him, Bella. we see him basically, he doesn't want to leave her by herself because he's like, she's going to fucking die if I leave her on her own. And then he also doesn't want to scare her by taking out the people right in front of her, which is why he revisits this same quandary later on in this section. And so you can see him actually solving the issue rather than just letting it hang and allowing this guy to go free. Um, yeah. Uh, Ed takes Bella to the restaurant where they run into Angela and Jess, who have already eaten. Angela kindly mentions that they ate already so as to leave Bella alone with Edward because Jess is like, oh, we'll stay for dinner. And Angela is like, no, no, we already ate. Come on, let's go. Because she can tell that, you know, Bella wants to be alone with Edward. Um, This makes
0: a lot more sense now that we know that Jessica's just a fucking bitch.
1: Oh, yeah. They go to a quiet private table and sit down. And Edward is taken aback when he finds out Bella is dazzled by him um ed gives bella his coat when she shivers after drinking an entire coke without stopping uh and he compliments her shirt it's a sweet moment uh when ed questions her not being upset she says she feels safe with him um ed compares himself to hades and bella's ravioli to persephone's pomegranate
0: let's let's uh be clear hades good guy by greek god standards still abducted and raped <laughs> not a good guy
1: not a good guy there are different readings of that story um i i prefer the one where he doesn't rape her but you know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bella guesses that Ed can read thoughts. When Bella touches his hand, he expects her to recoil, but she doesn't. He explains how he found her and becomes enraged once again, explaining to her that he wanted to go kill the guys who almost attacked her. He realizes suddenly that in trying to be good for Bella, he has lost his edge, which is why nobody is afraid of him anymore. They leave the restaurant and Edward asks Bella to tell him her theories about him.
0: I do get a little tired of how like everyone but Angela is a shitty person cause like yeah people are shitty but like every woman who sees him just shits all over Bella in their minds and is trying to like sexually appeal to him and I'm like Look, yeah, that's a thing, but that's not how everyone is. And the fact that this is the way everyone is presented mm-hmm. is just annoying.
1: Most uh, most restaurant staff could not give two shits. Probably wouldn't even remember the faces of the people sitting at the tables they're servicing. No offense to anyone working in a restaurant. I, have, I work in retail and I have often ha- helped someone in the store. And then later, been at a register, and that person comes up to the register, and they're like, oh, hey. And I have no idea who they are. Because I don't care. When you work in the people. service industry... They're just,
0: they're just customers. They're
1: just like, they are a blur. When you work in the service industry, you interact with hundreds of people every single day. There is... it. I guarantee you, Edward is not as... Is so hot that hit that the entire waitstaff is like tripping over themselves, trying to fuck him. It's quite silly.
0: It's silly, silly.
1: Yes. This is another scene in which they have a very frustrating conversation because Edward does not know what to fucking say to Bella.
0: How do I have a talk?
1: Yeah. He doesn't know how to have a conversation with someone who he actually has to, like, learn about.
0: I'm sorry, Bella. Yeah. All I know is Spanish Influenza and Corton. I don't know 2005.
1: <laughs> That's chapter nine.
0: Chapter ten. Uh, this was a lot of the same thing. Yeah. From the first book. Uh. It's the vampire reveal scene. We do find out that Jake violated the treaty by telling Bella those stories, uh, which is an interesting thing to find out because at no point in the previous series did the Cullens use this information to their advantage. And they definitely should have used this information to their advantage. It would have been very beneficial.
1: I agree but uh, he does point out that the issue is not with their levels of secret keeping. It's with the fact that the younger generation just isn't going to take those stories seriously because they, they have grown up in, a mo- in the modern time. And so they have never experienced anything related to those stories. So, of course, they just think that they're scary stories. And Jacob Correct. thinks that Bella is someone that he can trust. Correct. And he Correct. also doesn't realize fully, because from the way that Jacob talks about it in the first book, you get the impression that, first of all, he doesn't think it's real. So he doesn't... No, no he
0: doesn't. We know he doesn't. We
1: know he doesn't. He doesn't think it's real. So there. he doesn't understand the physical consequences of telling her the story. That doesn't but he ab- still broke the treaty. Yes, that doesn't absolve him from breaking the treaty because Edward even says, "Oh, I guess I can go kill all of them now because they've broken the treaty by talking about us to people." Which
0: See, I can't it, believe that,
1: that was never brought up before.
0: That's the problem: is that they it doesn't matter the reasons behind them breaking the treaty. They broke the treaty just like throughout the entire series when the vampires are anywhere close to breaking the treaty their werewolves don't care about the reasoning yeah they even almost don't
1: let bella become a vampire to save her life
0: exactly it doesn't matter that there's some reasoning behind it it's just treaty has the rules you're not going to follow the rules. So in this case, that's why I don't understand why the Collins don't use it. Because the werewolves don't give a shit about the reasoning behind why the rules may or may not have been broken. They just care about the rules existing.
1: Part of me feels like it's supposed to imply a moral failing on the part of the the Quileats that, or Qu- did we ever decide Quileuts? I'm so sorry. I'm I don't want to offend anyone, but. The, um, the indigenous, the indigenous people, uh, I feel like it's supposed to imply that the werewolves are more hostile and more likely to hold the Cullens to that rule as tightly as they can while the Cullens are going to be more forgiving, which sucks.
0: You don't have to actually care that they broke that rule. But if you're in a position like they are on an imposing sides and you're in some kind of tense and sui- situation and negotiation of this kind of thing, being able to hold that over their head. Yeah. Should be an advantage you take.
1: It would have been a much better tactic in Eclipse and Breaking Dawn yeah. when, you know, they were like, you can't turn Bella. That's breaking the treaty. If they were like, you already broke the treaty. When you told Bella we were vampires.
0: Bella wouldn't be in any of the situation that she's become involved in had your member of your tribe not broken the initial treaty and told her what they were.
1: Exactly. Because she wouldn't have known that he was a vampire. And I'm not going to say that she never would have figured it out because she was snooping. Yeah. So eventually she would have figured it out. But the fact is, he told her. He told her flat out that they were vampires. So it's his fault. Correct. <laughs> um, oh, your note was next before mine.
0: Yes. Uh, so Ed thinks Bella is legitimately unstable because she hasn't gone into shock from anything and is not terrified of him. And so he's legitimately considering having Carlisle commit her to some kind of mental facility with, like, top-of-the-line doctors. And I'm just like, bro, calm down.
1: He sounds like the person who changed Alice. Except, I will say, Bella is fucking erratic. Like, (laughs) Bella does seem fucking insane. Not that it's right, what he's considering. And I don't think he... I think he does genuinely think that that's what she needs, but I don't think he ever seriously is like, yep, I'm having her committed.
0: No, and the thing is, like, I don't think it's a matter of him actually being set on and doing that at all. Yeah. It's just that we have the insight into his brain that he does legitimately think that's a course of action that could be undertaken.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And he's wrong. But in some ways, I don't blame him because this is the part where we were talking about earlier when we were like, when she's like, oh, it doesn't matter if you're a monster. And he's like, what do you mean? It doesn't matter if I'm a monster. You're insane. You're out of your fucking mind. I could kill you. Like, it's I honestly kind of get where he's coming from with being like, no, she's actually fucking insane. She's lost it. She's disconnected from reality. I think Edward has the same thoughts about Bella that we have about Bella insofar as he's like, why do you like me?
0: Ed's thoughts about Bella throughout this book just echo our thoughts reading through the original Twilight.
1: Every time he's like, she doesn't act like a normal human. We're just like, yeah, you're fucking telling me.
0: I read a whole book in this bitch's head and I still don't understand.
1: I read four, four, well, like three and a half books from Bella's perspective. And I'm still like, (laughs) oh, I don't know. (laughs) This is another part that I just really liked. And I I liked the insight into the way that Edward thinks about Bella. Um, And it's another little point that like, if this, quote was in a different book with different characters, it would just be absolutely lovely. As I met her penetrating gaze, read the surprise and the sympathy there. Uh, Emmy, are you laughing about the penetrating gaze? (laughs) Let me read the quote! (laughs) Fucking... Okay. As I met her penetrating gaze, read the surprise and the sympathy there, I abruptly yearned for sleep. Not for oblivion, as I had before, not to escape boredom, but because I wanted to dream. Maybe if I could be unconscious, if I could dream, I could live for a few hours in a world where she and I could be together. She dreamed of me, I wanted to dream of her
0: and her penetrating gaze. Oh
1: my god. I found that moment to be very profound because it it really shows you the hopelessness that he feels because he's like I haven't slept in 70 80 years. But like the idea of getting to be with her is worth being able to go to sleep. Which he pro- he even says, like, he has, hasn't wanted to sleep. Like, he hasn't had the desire to sleep other than to pass time because he's bored.
0: I was going to say, um, I've come to the conclusion that I actually would not like losing the ability to sleep. No,
1: that would honestly be the worst part for me.
0: Because sometimes I just need to shut my brain down and restart it so that when I wake back up, I'm good to go again.
1: Yeah. Um I've actually been re-watching my favorite anime of all time, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, which if you are at all a fan of anime or at all interested in watching anime, absolutely you should watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's available it on Netflix. A it is it is a I don't want to say it's the perfect anime, but it is a perfect anime. It is fantastic. It has a few jokes that are a little overblown, but for the most part, the story, the world building, the action, the music, it's all just like so good. But one of the main plot elements is that the two main characters, Edward and Alphonse, Alphonse, his soul has been ripped, well, his body has been ripped away from his soul and his soul is imprinted onto a a metal suit of armor. And now because he does not have the biological need to sleep, he can't sleep. And he describes the worst part of not having his body anymore is being desperately alone every single night. He like often will cry because he's like, I cannot continue to spend every night alone the way that I have. And that I, that part really just like, it hit home for me what would make being a vampire in this specific universe so insufferable? Like, I I need to be able to sleep.
0: And even if you're not alone, even if you're with another vampire who also doesn't need to sleep, like, you lose out on being able to fall asleep
1: with each other. Mm-hmm. Which, if you've never been in a relationship where you get to fall asleep next to someone, I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, get yourself in a relationship and fall asleep next to someone.
1: It's very calming. It's
0: that simple. One plus
1: one. Just put a pillow in a microwave and then lay it down next to you in a bed and you'll understand how it feels. Don't put your pillow... Do not... Do not put your pillow in the microwave. Put your pillowcase in the dryer for like 20 minutes.
0: Stuff your pillow with Tide Pods and put it in the
1: microwave. No! (laughs) But yeah. um, No. I just like... the Sleep is more than just a biological need. It's something that is psychologically a need. You have to relax. You have to be able to shut your brain off. You will die sooner from the psychological repercussions of not sleeping than you will of like the physical issues surrounding not sleeping
0: i don't ever have good dreams and i still wouldn't want to give up sleep
1: i have violent sleep paralysis in which an owl threatens my grandparents and i still would hate to lose the ability to sleep he visited me a couple nights ago by the way
0: oh did he say hi
1: no, he said we have your grandparents.
0: Again. Yeah. They're really on that.
1: Yeah. They... Did you ask
0: him what they did with them?
1: I wasn't able to. Uh funny thing about sleep paralysis, can't fucking do anything while you're experiencing it. Shit. You're a little bit, what's the word? Okay. Paralyzed. Paralyzed?
0: <laughs> get a, get a sticky note with the question on it and just put it on your forehead before you go to sleep. So that way next time he shows up, you just have it there.
1: I mean I'd have to like tack it to my forehead, because I do roll around a lot in my sleep. Worth it. Worth it. Got it. I'll staple it to my forehead. <laughs> Just some super glue.
0: So, um after dropping Bella off, Ed decides to have Carlisle help with the guys who tried to attack Bella. Uh the description of what happens for some reason is strangely unclear yeah it's vague and i don't know why there was no point in being so vague about it and i had to read a little bit into the next chapter to yeah be really same sure. i did too
1: because i was like what did they do
0: like i had like i skimmed the next couple pages because i was like what the fuck happened it, it appears that carlisle drugged the guy to keep him asleep and then put him in the car and just drove him to a state where he had an outstanding warrant and just left him passed out near a police station. Yeah. And this I was okay with. I was completely cool with this method of handling things specifically because he had outstanding warrants yes. also for for murder. I would be a lot more I would be leaning a lot more towards just taking the guy out if it was just rape and sexual assault because odds are he's never going to face any punishment for those crimes yeah. in our justice system. Even
1: if the taking the guy out was like Carlisle fucking euthanizing him or yeah. something like that. Something that. It doesn't have
0: to be violent. It doesn't
1: have to be like brutally violent in a way that would compromise Edward's morals because you are doing the right thing by removing this man from society. We've already gone over this. But because they... The guy had was like a was like a serial killer that they had been hunting, and he like had outstanding warrants and stuff like that. You knew he was gonna go to jail, and yeah, like, he's
0: gonna face justice. Yes. Just hand him over.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, like we said earlier, this is a um, a desirable turn of events.
0: I'm glad that we get to see this in this book too, so that it's had he just said. I'm washing my hands of this and I'm going to stay out of it. I, I would have been very angry. Yes. I could not have dealt
1: with that. I agree. Um, and something that they point out too, uh, because there were like five dudes, but Edward even points out when the scene is actively happening, that the other dudes are just drunk and they have
0: no idea what's happening. They don't
1: even realize what the guy is going to do. They think they're just picking on this girl. They don't think that, Anything Which bad is, still is gonna wrong. happen Still wrong, don't get me wrong Picking on a random girl on the street is still wrong But it's not criminal Technically It's morally
0: <laughs> repulsive And they are not good people for doing no. it No But there's a very big difference between Harassing a person And wanting to rape and murder a person
1: Yes, absolutely
0: There there are degrees of evil <laughs>
1: absolutely yeah it's like we were saying it's like i was saying earlier you you it's not just black and white you got to have a level where you're like well i mean like yeah they were being assholes but like they're not murderers they're just dudes who are drunk and acting like dickheads which unfortunately we cannot execute them for
0: (laughs) are they assholes yes do i think that level of assholery is worth Ending their lives. Unfortunately, no Yeah. <laughs> but.
1: Fortunately, I'm obligated to say no. Um. But Doesn't yeah. But mean I
0: don't want. To.
1: Yeah. So they deal with the one guy who was an actual like murderer and rapist and uh yeah. It was a. That was a. That was a good ending to that.
0: Yeah. That was, that was chapters five through 10. Six through 10. Seven.
1: Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd want to say on this, on this part of the book?
0: Um, it was not as easy to read. No. As the first five chapters. The first five chapters
1: were much funnier.
0: I found it to be, by the time we got past the first five chapters, um a lot of just like with the wanting to beat mike thing there were a lot of recurring thought patterns that ed had that were just getting tiresome to read um that at first i could appreciate but were just uh like his constantly thinking he's evil which is justified i get it in this book and so i'm cool with it but how often it's a focus and how many times he repeats it and goes over it and over it just mind numbing (laughs) to read.
1: Yeah. He it's weird. Definitely. Because Stephanie Meyer cannot do things concisely. We're having to read through a lot of the same wordiness that we dealt with in the first twilight book, except this book is longer. This book is two is, is over a hundred pages longer than the first twilight book. Um, And he has a lot of the same thoughts over and over again. Just the same way Bella always had a lot of the same thoughts over and over again.
0: And it's realistic in the sense that, yeah, that's how our minds work. We constantly have recursive thoughts. It just doesn't make good entertainment. Yeah, it's not good for a book.
1: It's just like how I was talking about in the last episode. I was talking about the way that they do telepathy. And how everybody's constantly thinking in one very long, like, concise thought process. That doesn't happen in real life, but it makes more sense from a book standpoint. Now, she's done it the opposite way, where she's having these people have these same recurring thoughts over and over again, which is real but not good entertainment.
0: Stop it. Stop it, Smire.
1: The next section this is, this is
0: your next This is your next thing to learn.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh the next section is going to be chapters 11 through 15. I'm excited a little bit. I am still enjoying getting some of his insight, but honestly, I feel like we're at a point kind of right now where it's like, I don't know how much more insight we could possibly get. I do hope that we get to hear some of his questions that he asks her and get some details about her life because that would be nice.
0: It's uh, it's definitely at this point. It's more the little scenes in between that were not at all present in the original Twilight. Yeah, or of interest. Like with going with Carlisle to take care of the uh, yeah serial killer. Aside from that, like the scenes we've already been through, I was struggling not to just scan through them because it's like
1: eh. yeah and i think she definitely made the right choice by like adding things to them because otherwise it would just i don't know it's like i don't want to have this i don't want to read the same conversations over again i appreciate the context so we know what part of the story we're in but it's like yeah jesus i've already read this i do enjoy knowing why he says the things that he says But it gets to a point where it's like, okay, I get it. You're just dumb and you don't know what to say to Bella.
0: That said, because one of the things I thought during the lunch scene, um, when he says all those like cringy one-liners about staying away from him, they are no less cringy in this book. Yeah. Just so we're clear. They're just as cringy as they were in the first book. Mm Mm-hmm. And even he's like, Why did I say that? Yeah. I don't know, bro. Why did you say that? That was fucking weird. It's like he can't stop
1: himself from just (laughs) saying shit, trying to get her to understand that she needs to leave him alone.
0: An egg in the basket is the Bella in the bed. What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Follow us on Twitter at 2020 twilight pod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S Wilton. Hit us with a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020 twilight pod. Shoot us an email at LiteraryMastersPod at gmail.com. Oh, we didn't receive any emails, guys. Come on. Write me a love letter, guys, please. If you guys
0: don't start talking to us, we're going to move the plug set segment to the beginning so that people have to listen to, to us.
1: <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else to say before we leave? Moth person lives. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: Bye.